We haven't yet been up to bat. We are not uniformitarians, that as things are today, they will continue on endlessly in the future. No. We believe there is some point in the future history of this world, the Lord is going to break through the clouds. He's coming. And it's called here His appearing. The Greek word is His apocalypse, His revelation. And welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. Today our ministry is on 1 Peter. Let me just read these first few verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. This is our Bible study passage today, and I trust that you stay tuned with us as we go to our pulpit message from the Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. Now, I'm exhorting people to personal Bible study. I have prepared a My Bible Study template that you can use for your own Bible study. You don't need to read books. You don't need to buy, purchase, or uh, look for expensive Bible studies. Just a simple one-sheet template with a number of questions that will guide you As you read the Word of God for yourself, uh, there are sections on steps for me to study. There are a few sections on my personal use, what sins are stated for me to confess or take warnings for my life, then what examples are given for me to follow, and what promises can I apply personally, what items of praise are given which I can offer to the Lord. Then, as we read that passage, we should look for a verse to memorize. Write out the text and seek to commit it to memory. Then we should be looking for items of praise that we should render to the Lord and list these items for praise in our own lives. Then, for my prayer life, pray through the key statements and plead the promises of the Lord. Then, Pray for the victory of Christ to be applied to my life, and pray for my family friends to enjoy these blessings or be delivered from these judgments. This Bible study is available for all who uh, contact us here, or you can go directly to our website, www.cloverdlfpc.ca, and there you can access the uh, PDF file under Resources, My Bible Study Template. And I trust it will be a great help to you as you study personally or family or friends. Without cost, without any complication, you can study the Word of God for yourself. So go to our website and download the message. Now we uh, commence our program with Abide With Me. May this message and song be the very burden of your heart.
God's working in you to make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And that's the God of grace at work. And so we are to prove his grace in all of those situations. The final one I've noted in this book, and that's verse 12 of chapter 5, where it talks about, uh, I have written briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. Peter's not talking to wimps. He's not talking to those who lie down and give up compromisers and apostates and wretches that shouldn't call themselves Christians at all. These are men and women who are standing up for Jesus. And they're standing in the grace of God, wherein ye stand. And because of their standing in grace, they'll stand up for Jesus. May God give us the grace to do that in the year to come. I don't know how or when. I don't know what enemy will appear that we'll have to take our stand, but we need the grace to do it. And these are practical issues. Peter's a realist. How do you face the future as a Christian? As a realist. There's going to be a fight. We're in a battle. And this is the burden of Peter writing to these people. Now, a little pointer at the beginning of chapter 5, that he talks as an elder, and he talks to these people as the caregiver to feed the flock of God, and he talks about them being the flock, the flock, the sheep. Now, this is the burden of Peter writing to these Christians as a realist. Sheep are the most defensive in ha. Sheep are the least able to defend themselves. They have no fangs. They have no claws. They have no ability to fight back. They just run and they congregate in the flock. Anytime you ever see a sheep on its own, it's sickly or dying. The mark of a shepherd is when you see a sheep all by itself, you better check it out. And it's the same with us as Christians in the church, as realists in a world of temptation, Satan's attack, our own follies, our own need for grace, we need to be among the flock, shepherded, strengthened, guided, helped, firstly by the great shepherd of the sheep and by godly Christians that can help us and strengthen us along the way. Now, how do you plan to do that in 2011? Peter's a realist, and he talks about these trials, manifold temptations and trials that put you in the furnace to bring you forth as gold. You need to make a conscious decision here. You need to accept the realistic view of Christianity not the false notion that it's heaven on earth, it's all ease, and your automatic uh, fire escape from all trouble, and all is well. No, you're fighting. 
You're fighting for your soul. You're fighting for life. You're fighting for your testimony. You're fighting for your usefulness. You're fighting for a walk with God that he may establish, strengthen, settle you. And that's the great challenge that we face. Now, that brings us to the second part, which is uh, the Christian's uh, future, and uh, that we are futuristic. Look at verse 7 of chapter 1 and the end of the verse. That you might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, the New Testament Christian is the last person who should be a stick in the mud. Our whole profession of faith is about the great things that are yet to take place for the Lord's church. Our boat hasn't come in yet. We haven't yet been up to bat. We are not uniformitarians, that as things are today, they will continue on endlessly in the future. No! We believe there is some point in the future history of this world, the Lord is going to break through the clouds. He's coming. And it's called here His appearing. The Greek word is His apocalypse, His revelation. And John, who used that word in, in his book of Revelation, he talked about the, the curtains drawing open, and he saw into heaven. My friend, we're going to see that. There's going to be a great apocalypse. The Lord breaking through the clouds, His glorious appearing. And we're living for the future. We're not living for the present. We're not living for today. We're living for that trumpet sound when the Lord himself shall come in all his marvelous glory. And of course, it's the end of the world. And everything that we know of in this world is going to be burnt up. We've got a destruction view of the world. And we've got a heavenly glory view of life to come as a Christian. Now, it changes the way you live. It changes your day-to-day -day walk and talk and expectations. You'll notice in verse 8 that this hope is based upon a life of faith, whom having not seen, ye love. That's the strangest thing. And someone asks you, you're a Christian? Uh, how did you get to know the Lord? By faith. Have you ever seen the Lord? No, but I love him. Because faith worketh by love. This is the operation of the new birth experience within our souls. So this faith at work. Now notice in verse 8, Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing. And it's not a mere assent. It's not a mere neutral position. You'll notice, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that brings us back full circle to what we learned last week about the lively hope that's within us. And I talked about Bunyan's example of being in the house of the interpreter when a man was pouring water on the fire, but the fire wouldn't go out because there was someone on the other side pouring on the oil. And that's what happens in the Christian's life. 
And in all the trials and the difficult things that we face, the Spirit of God is pouring in the oil so that your faith is burning. Indeed, the greater the fight, the more oil you get. That's the wonderful thing about it. And that's why when Christians are living in days of martyrdom and persecution, they seem to get all more the grace and the power of God in their lives. And we're living in days when it's so easy, when it's easy to tell people you're a Christian, there's no persecution. Oh, there may be mockery, there may be an attack of the tongue, but we don't have the, the wood and the fire waiting for us because we've let it be known we're a Christian. But the Lord gives the oil. That's the verse 8 that we have here. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's what's in your heart, is living hope. If you go back to verse 7, you'll notice that there are three qualities of the Christian who is futuristic. That he may be found unto praise. Praise and honor and glory. Found unto praise. That means there's, there's much in this person that God will praise. This is not you singing. This praise is not your singing. It's God testifying of your faith. You will be found unto praise. You will be commendable. You will be that well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've lived for God when it was difficult. Now enter in to the glory. Praise, honor. Well, that's the word valuable. That same word in the original is the same as precious, or as the, we learned about our wives who are the weaker vessel, but they are honorable, valuable. And on that day, when the Lord returns, the Christian that is standing will be valuable, precious to the Lord because of your faith. And then the third word, found unto glory. Glory. Uh, that means suited for glory. Agreeable with heavenly glory. You've been waiting for it. You've been preparing for it. You've been longing for it. You've been looking up, waiting for his glorious appearing. And suddenly he comes in the clouds. And you are agreeable to be caught up with that glory with the very Lord. Now, that's the futuristic view. Do you have that tonight? Are you going into this new year with the futuristic look of a Christian for the glory that is ahead of us? Now, some will say, but look at the world we live in. It's a world that's a, it's a mess. It's filled with war, and it's filled with crime, and in this part of the world, it's every day there's gang wars and mayhem, and there's bloodshed around the world. These, this modern warfare of suicide bombers, it's, it's, it's absolutely horrific. Let me tell you, every age of God's people have lived through horrific things. You think of Jeremiah's day. He saw his own city torn apart. He saw hundreds and thousands linked up in chains, dried off as slaves. And they were the fortunate ones who weren't put to death by fire and sword 
in the siege of the city of Jerusalem. And then there's our Lord Jesus' day. What horrific things were in the world then. In the Middle Ages, prior to the Protestant Reformation, there was in France and Europe what was called the Hundred Years' War. Two political houses battling it out for a hundred years. You were born into war, and men died in war. And God is still on the throne. World War I, World War II, the wars that were supposed to end all wars, and here we are living in a world of war. The Lord told us that in the world ye shall see wars and divisions of men and earthquakes and terrible things. But we're not living for the present. We're living for the return of Christ. The only hope of peace in this world is the return of our Lord Jesus. All the political clout in the world will not bring peace until Christ comes. And that's what we're living for. That's what we're waiting upon. Now, time has got ahead of me tonight, and I don't want to prolong this. I might keep some of the meat of this for a week to come. But let me rattle you off just the headings, and forgive me if I come back to this next week. But this hope based on faith, in verse 9, you have the fulfillment of these things. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You see, we are saved. There are three tenses. We have been saved. We are being saved. And then when the Lord returns, we will be saved. Right out of all the issues of this world. So there's the fulfillment of these things. You'll notice in verse 10 that this hope is based on the scriptures of the Old Testament prophets. They looked into these things. They learned uh, that these things were not for them. They were for us, New Testament Christians. But they rejoiced in them. You'll notice in verse 12 that these things are based upon the sufferings of Christ, that Christ should suffer. Uh, sorry, verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. That means Christ died, his church is redeemed. He suffered, we are saved. He's the first fruits, we are the harvest, and it will not fail. This is to live in the future glorious hope as a Christian. And verse 12 goes on, unto whom it is revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you. Now, when I first heard the gospel as an 18-year-old, I didn't grasp all the wonderful things that I was entering into as a Christian. All I knew that I was a sinner and I needed to be, have my sins forgiven. And I needed a Savior. I knew that. But I could not even begin to think of all the wonders of redemption 
through the sufferings of Christ. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to look back. When I was preaching down in Cloverdale, I didn't know anything, as I now know. We see through a glass darkly. We just see the broad outline. We don't see the, the wonders of it all. And so I appeal to you tonight to be a realist as a Christian, and I appeal to you to recognize the future is glorious for every child of God. And I could say the same thing in a cancer ward to some poor soul that's facing death. For a Christian, it's glory. I can say the same thing to some mother or father who may have lost a child. The comfort of the gospel. I can say the same thing to someone who has just lost every earthly possession. We've come through times where people committed suicide because of financial ruin and struggles. Couldn't live with it. Can you imagine the misery and the, the horror those people went through? Here's the hope of a Christian. We're not living for this world. It's going to burn up anyway. Dollars don't save us. But this gospel preached to us with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. That means the Holy Spirit applied it to our hearts. What a gospel it is. And it leads us into the future. May the Lord minister to you tonight. May the Lord speak to you. And I pray that you'll read through this book of 1 Peter over and over. And may this word thrill our hearts and strengthen us as we seek to live for the Lord. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. We appreciate your time, and I trust there is a blessing in store for you today. I'm holding in my hand this little book, Profiting from the Word by A.W. Pink, and I really want to emphasize the great need for our own personal Bible study and reading. And earlier I mentioned the template, My Bible Study, that is available on our website, or if you wish to have hard copies, these are also available through Let the Bible Speak, but you can go to our website, www.cloverdlfpc.ca, and there you can find under Resources Bible Studies the template printed out. Use it for your own Bible study. Arthur W. Pink, in his book on profiting from the Word, says, An individual is spiritually profited when the Word convicts him of sin. This is its first office, to reveal our depravity, to expose our vileness, to make known our wickedness. A man's moral life may be irreproachable, his dealings with his fellows faultless, but when the Holy Spirit applies the Word to his heart and conscience, opening his sin-blinded eyes to see his relation and attitude to God, he cries, Woe is me, for I am undone. It is in this way that each truly saved soul is brought to realize his need of Christ. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Yet it is not until the Spirit applies the Word in divine power that any individual is made to feel that he is sick, sick unto death. Such conviction that brings home to the heart the awful ravages which sin has wrought in the human constitution is not to be restricted to the initial experience which immediately precedes conversion. Each time that God blesses his word to my heart, I am made to feel how far, far short I come of the standard 
which he has sent before me, namely, Be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Here, then, is the first test to apply. As I read of the sad failures of different ones in Scripture, does it make me realize how sadly, like unto them, I am? As I read of the blessed and perfect life of Christ, does it make me recognize how terribly unlike him I am? And so an individual in spiritually profiting when he reads the word, it makes him sorrow over sin. Of the stony ground hearer, it is said that he heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself. But of those who were convicted under the preaching of Peter, it is recorded that they were pricked in their heart. The same contrast exists today. Many will listen to a flowery sermon or an address on dispensational truth that displays oratorical powers or exhibits the intellectual skill of the speaker, but which usually contains no searching application to the conscience. It is received with approbation, but no one is humbled before God or brought into a closer walk with Him. And that is the aim and object of all Bible reading, that we may have fellowship with our Heavenly Father through His Word. This is Ian Golliher. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. I trust the Lord has blessed you today through His Word. If you'd like a copy of this book, Profiting from the Word, by A.W. Pink, just let us know. And for a small donation, it's available through Let the Bible Speak. Stay tuned now as we come to the announcements. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday school for children and adult Bible class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604 576 1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5am and 5pm and on Sundays at 9.30am on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.